0: The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. It is that time of the week where we dig a little deeper, and we're digging deeper with clinical psychologist Tara Buckley. And this week, Tara, you are going to be talking about. EUPD and the way it's represented in media. Now can you explain to me what the difference is if there is one between BPD which is Borderline Personality Disorder and EUPD?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the correct terminology for it at the moment is Borderline Personality Disorder. However, it really shows in an accurate I suppose description of what it is and the reason for that is because it was the original name that was given to it and what it actually stands for is a blend and a combination of neurosis and psychosis which is is still being labelled by these people when in fact that's actually not what the disorder is at all at all. So I suppose EUPD, which stands for Emotionally Unstable Personality Disorder, is a better description for it. Or what's also in the pipeline for change is um, labelling it as emotional um, intensity disorder. So taking away the whole personality disorder element and kind of giving that person back to it as well. So the difference isn't just the terminology of it. How does
0: it present itself?
1: Absolutely. So there's a few different things. So one of the very first things is that the symptoms have to be there. They have to be enduring and for a long period of time. And not only that, it's to kind of do with how you think about yourself and other people. So some of the main things we see are these people have a big, massive fear of abandonment and they will try to do anything to keep a person with them. They have kind of marked intense relationships. They find it hard to make friendships or romantic relationships. And when they're in them, they find it hard to maintain them. So a lot of the time they might go from streams of I love you to I hate you. There's a lot of intense emotions um, which can change quite rapidly and last anywhere from a few hours to a few days. They have a lot of issue with anger. So anger is a big emotion that they find really, really hard to difficult difficulties with the intensity of it. Some of the other things we see is that they engage in kind of impulsive or risky behaviours. So a lot of maybe alcohol misuse, substances, eating disorders that can fall into that, particularly binge eating as well. They have a real, I suppose, I suppose a lack of a sense of self. So they find it really hard to kind of get who they are and what they want to be. So for example, they find it hard to stay within jobs, they're always changing. Their sense of self really depends on the people that they hang around with so it can change dramatically. They have a lot of feelings of emptiness inside of them as well and a lot of suicidality and self-harming.
0: I assume it is therefore a very difficult diagnosis because if you combine as you describe neuroses, psychoses and often things like substance abuse any one of those could be your differential diagnosis and you miss the borderline personality issues
1: 100% or what happens is another way is that people get a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder when in fact actually it's a misdiagnosis out of everything that I name there if we think about it they're all very much human um, reactions to emotions which are very very normal and I think what happens is in borderline personality disorder is, they lose the social context. They don't think about traumatic life events that have happened, childhood adversity, past relationships, where you are within your environment, because all of these things can have unbearable negative emotions attached to them as well. So I think what that is, it's one of the hardest diagnoses because I think it's overdiagnosed. I think it's misdiagnosed, particularly here in Ireland. If we look at the prevalence rate of this worldwide, it's about 1.2%. But I was looking at a recent study here in Ireland where the prevalence rate is 6%. So we can see extremely high in comparison to So others. we
0: either have three times the rate or we have three times the diagnosis.
1: Yes, and in my clinical judgment is I do think we get misdiagnosed an awful lot with this. I think that there's other explanations that we don't necessarily look at for example like complex uh, PTSD for example which is complex post traumatic stress disorder. That can have a lot of the same symptomology that it can. And it can have some
0: of the same root causes can't it uh, because BPD and PTSD can both be triggered by or catalyzed by traumatic events in childhood.
1: Absolutely they certainly can and I don't think that for the BPD that there's enough emphasis given on that social context and pulling all that adversity apart to really understand it. What we're doing is we're almost labelling someone as they're flawed within their personality style. When in fact what we should be looking at, okay, what caused these symptoms? What can we do? What treatments can we put involved? Can we look at it like this? And I think that's where the mass stigmatisation has come is because we've taken the person away from it by labelling it as a personality disorder and what we've done is we've kind of said, oh well, it's your own fault that you can't handle these intense motions. It's your own fault that you suffer with anger and Another big thing as well is it can kind of, there's double the amount of women diagnosed with BPD than males, even though technically the prevalence rate is the same. And that even feeds into the stigmatisation of how it can be kind of used. Oh, assessing. so it's
0: Freudian hysteria.
1: Yeah, almost, yeah, because it's an emotional disorder. So women tend to get a lot more diagnosed. Now, I'll play devil's advocate on that and give give some other information. What can tend to happen as males is it goes undiagnosed and it goes or as misdiagnosed because there's a lot more aggression a lot more of them end up with inside of our prison based service um, a lot of substance misuse and males are twice times more than likely to um, commit suicide with BPD than what females are.
0: You talked about the difficulty in diagnosing it what about the difficulty or challenges in treating it?
1: Yeah, so I suppose one of the things is there is no necessarily pharmacological intervention for this. So there is no medicine for BPD, for example. What happens is people do go on um, maybe antidepressants if they're obviously feeling depressed or some people are put on mood stabilisers or antipsychotic medication as well for it. However, there are some amazing thought therapies for it. So for example, delectual behavioural therapy which is one of our gold standards um, that's been up and running for over 20 years and what it does is it teaches people skills with emotional dysregulation And it also interpersonal effectiveness, which gets people to relate to people at a different level and understand their viewpoint. So that's a really, really good one. And the same with mentalization based therapy as well. That's also a fantastic one where it gets you to see other people's mental states while also examining your own and looking at other people's thought processes and your own.
0: Is that a difficult thing to get somebody with that diagnosis to undertake? Because somebody who takes a lot of their definition in their life and those around them who has significant feelings of loss and and abandonment if somebody is not giving them feedback who has emotional peaks who tends towards aggression all of those things it doesn't strike you as the set of behaviours that make them say give me a course of action I want to stick to it consistently
1: Absolutely the thing is a lot of people want help. I think what happens is that when they go into mental health um, facilities to get this, first of all, there isn't a lot of access due to these treatments here in Ireland. So that is lacking. I think a second thing as well is that a lot of mental health professionals, even though maybe that they don't recognise it, there can be a lot of stigma. They can be seen as treatment resistant. And a lot of the times they might be let go from certain under psychiatric care or psychology care. And then what happens is that feed into that person's fear of abandonment or actually it's hopeless I can't get help anyway. So one of the things I always say is it's really really important for people seeking help that they look at the experience the person has. Does this mental health professional have a lot of experience working with people under this remit where there is a non-judgmental really safe space and I think that's one of the key areas because people do want to get help because they don't want to keep experiencing this.
0: What about those who are friends and family of somebody? Somebody who's listening to this and has heard the way that you described the condition. There may be somebody who says, I, I have a friend or relative who is like that. I assume it can be deeply challenging to deal with that if you are on the receiving end of some of the behaviours that you've described. What can they do?
1: Absolutely. I think the very first thing is educating yourself on it. I think that it's a really, really misunderstood diagnosis. And I think the way that people have looked at it and the way that it's stigmatised is actually adding to the problem that we have when we look at family and friends. The very first thing I would say is really educate yourself in the matter. Try not to look at it as a disorder. Try to look at it as actually, what were this person's life experiences that contributed to this? And is there any way that we can look and support that? And having open conversations with compassion and empathy, because typically what happens is these people find that they're not met with empathy and compassion. And actually, once you give them that, they can be really receptive. So I really think having an open mind, educating yourself, lots of empathy and compassion and viewing it not as a disorder, but as it may be a series of life events that have created this.
0: And what's the prognosis if you do get I mean, as you say, if you get a, a psychiatric professional who is well versed in a UPD or BPD, if you get somebody who is committed to the kind of behavioural therapy that you describe, what kind of outcomes do you see?
1: Absolutely fantastic really honestly it's it's one of the personality disorders where you can see really positive outcomes DBT has helped so much in this because it's a year long treatment both individual and both in group and coaching and when you're giving these people skills what we see is a massive reduction in attending to um, emergency services self harming better relationships so actually the prognosis is extremely good when you get in and get treatment for this and lasting into the long term absolutely it certainly does and what can happen with um, EUPD slash BPD as well is that um, in the female cohort, actually, the emotional intensity and all of this can actually start to phase the older you get, as long as you get treatment.
0: Obviously, a, a huge amount of information there. If you missed any of that, or if you want to have a listen back to what Tara Buckley was saying about uh, EUPD, uh, the or uh, borderline personality disorder, to use its a more common fr- uh, title, you can of course get it on podcast. All of the items in the hard shoulder are podcasted after the show. Big thank you to Tara Buckley, uh, psychologist.